Welcome to Planner Parlay, a show where we come together under a flag of truce to talk about small agency planning. In this week's episode, we're talking with Sean Pitts, brand strategist at Hanson Dodge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Josh Kuhn, director of experience at Truth Collective in Rochester, New York, about the marriage of content and strategy, and the ways that union is changing how brands reach and engage with consumers. Join them, and of course, John Roberts, CSO at Truth Collective, as we bridge the gaps between strategists and content creators and what it means for small agencies. Pull up a chair and listen in. Welcome everyone to season two of A Planner Parlay. So I'd love to welcome Sean Pitts, brand strategist of, uh, from Hanson Dodge in Milwaukee, who not only is the brand strategist there, but is also a photographer and a blogger. Welcome, Sean. Glad to get you on the show. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, Josh Kuhn, experience director here at Truth Collective, who has a point of view in terms of the role of strategy and content, of course, in his day job, but in nights, weekends, mornings, and any time he can, he's an artist and a professor of visual storytelling. So, Josh, looking forward to it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, guys, why don't we just start with a little bit of your story? Both of you have strategic roles in small agencies that are pushing the boundaries in terms of creativity and content today. But why don't we talk a little bit about what's your backstory? How did you get started? And what was it in your path that turned you into a strategist? Sean, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, I think for me, it was a, a little bit of an unorthodox path. I mean, that's typically what I found in, in strategy is, you know, you got different backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I came from, uh, started out of college working at DDB Chicago on McDonald's and I was on the account team there. Uh, and I, I you know, after some time there, I left and went to Milwaukee, um, worked for Kohl's for a short period of time. And then I was looking to get back into advertising. Um, and I had interviewed for an account management position thinking that was the, you know, the role that I wanted to do. Um, and, and thinking that, and that strategy was kind of, you know, I used to see nothing but senior level roles, right? So I never knew that that was an opportunity for me to kind of get into entry level. Um, and then when I interviewed at BBK, uh, which was the agency previous to where I'm at now, um, they said that I'd be better suited for strategy. Um, and so they hired me on for a brand strategist position there. Um, I had the did they privilege say that to, as a compliment? Yeah, they did. Uh, they said the I was really good for, for account, <laughs> you know, account management. Um, but they, you know, they said that, you know, my skill set, the way I thought about things and brands and the way I explained things, they said I would be a better, you know, strategist. They think that I would have an opportunity to grow there. And, and that was something that I, I didn't know was an opportunity, but I took the, took the role. Um, I had the privilege to learn, you know, from two VP of strategy, um, there at the agency. And then since then, I've, I've moved over to Hanson Dodge, where I learned from uh, Mike Stefaniak, Chief of Strategy. Fantastic. Josh, what's your twisted path? I came from, I would say, another kind of unorthodox twisting path, as, as you refer to it. So I actually started out college. Is, it's all in fine art and then, uh, and then in computer graphics design. And that kind of led me into web design and uh, so I worked as a designer for many years and started building websites and different things like that. And then that naturally led into social media and into kind of the idea of like, well, how are you going to bring people back to the site that you just built? What's going to make them come back? So like my kind of journey into to content marketing and content strategy was pretty organic. And then it went from one company to the next where 
we created some live experiences where we were like, it was a fire safe company. So we were like burning safes live on the internet and putting like prize money in them so people could see that the product actually performed back before live streaming was an easy thing to do. And then on to Kodak, an analog film company, and really helping kind of bring the analog renaissance back forward with podcasts and magazines and all those things. But it all kind of revolved around this idea of storytelling and like, how can you bring a brand to life in a way that's going to make somebody want to engage with it on a daily basis? And if you spend all this time investing in a website or anything, how do you then make people come back and visit it over and over again? And that's kind of through content. So that sort of naturally was an organic path for me. And then my time here at Truth is this is actually my first agency job since right out of college, which I will not say how many embarrassing years ago that was, but it was uh, it was a while ago. So this is actually, I've kind of come, I guess, the other way where I, I'm, I'm now working on the agency side after being on the client side for the majority of my career. And part of it too is like, at least in the companies I worked at, the strategy role wasn't there. There wasn't a job called a strategist. So a lot of the marketers had to wear multiple hats. And I think that kind of helped prepare me a little bit for this. That's great. So let's, let's talk about those multiple hats, okay? Partly in terms of the background you, you spoke about, Josh, but um, just follow on that riff for a minute because both of you are content creators in your own right, okay? It's what you do. Sean, I know you were talking about, you know, some blogs you manage as well as your photographer. Josh, you're an artist and a web designer. How do the two roles, strategy and content creator, how do you find they nurture each other? Josh. I think there's probably a couple of things to it is like when you're creating on your own for yourself or you're creating for kind of it, it when I worked at some of the client side places and example or even here at Truth like working on our, our brand and our properties there's a almost a compulsion to it to, to want to make and to want to create and that drives you to be engaged with what's going on you know whether it's on social or through different communities I feel like you're just kind of more involved in what's happening. Not to say other creative people aren't, but it's it's just sort of part of what you're doing. You're creating and you want to get that stuff out in the world, so you're constantly exploring ways to do that. And that stuff, to me, made a really nice kind of relationship into the kind of marketing and client work. It's like as you're exploring for yourself, you're learning, and then you're applying that immediately to like what you're doing for clients or for your own brand. Yeah, got it. How about you, Sean? Um, I think I think for you know from my perspective, it, it's um, you know understanding how the creative process works helps uh, as a strategist. You know, um, me being a photographer and just understanding you know where I can maybe get my my inspiration from or where I might get you know um, the purpose as the reason why I'm doing the the project right in the direction and that whole creative process of where you're going through ideation and and you know finding those inspiration pieces and creating the work and the process that 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 is. Um, the creative team goes through that on a, on a repeated basis. And so understanding kind of where the strategy fits within that, how to direct that, how to kind of, you know, support it in a way that's not going to take anything away from that process. I think for me is kind of, that's been that, that balance that's helped me see both sides of the coin. Yeah, that's great. Being able to have that perspective. Does it create a tension, Sean, at times? Um, I, I think it creates a tension, a tension within myself. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, trying to find that balance because I'm both, because I lean creative, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself, you know, wanting to be a part, you know, participating in all of these pieces on the creative side so much that I, I got to continuously remember that, you know, the strategist, you know, 
part of me too, you know, and, and making sure that that comes through and that the strategy is consistent and I, I don't get wrapped up in, in the creative process, you know, with the creatives, right? But trying to find that balance within those two things. But I think once I, I you, you figure out your, your access point or the point in, in which you can make the most influence with the creative team and with, on the creative process, I think at that point you start to, you, you find less tension, right? You find that it starts to help the, the creative team out. It starts to help propel them to the great ideas, to the great thinking and those things like that. So great way of thinking about that, that, that access point. What have you found, Josh? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with Sean that it's, and, and I think it's something, honestly, I still I still struggle with sometimes is um, where I stop and start in terms of the creative process. Like my nature is to like want to be involved and help in the brainstorming and do those things. But also um, I know that it, it, as, as Sean said, it's sometimes it's about helping that creative team and propelling them forward and providing them with options that are going to inspire and get great ideas. And it's, a, and it's a little mix because then it's also about like, how can we then take those ideas and, and share them with the world in innovative ways on different channels across lots of different types of content. And so that's where we come, I think, at least for me, come back in uh, into the creative process, which is like, how are we going to get this idea out in the world now? So there's always, I think, definitely a little bit of tension back and forth and that desire to be involved in the creative process. And I think I'm honestly still learning that part of like, when do I stop and creative team starts. Well, it's interesting, let's carry on from that though, Josh. When I think about, you know, obviously I've got a lot of experience working with you, but Sean, from the conversations we've had, Mm -hmm. are we seeing a change in your mind about how agencies are working? That's that, that, that handover, if you like, of traditional old school agency linear format of strategy handing over to creative feels as though, certainly from the conversation, from what the, the perspectives you guys have both said, seem, we're seeing a lot more blurring of the lines. Do you think agencies are changing that way? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I think so. I think, you know, um, as things start to adapt a little bit, you know, a lot of agencies are starting to to break down the silos of, you know, strategy and creative. You've, you're seeing a lot more positions popping up that are, you know, creative strategists, right? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, content strategists or all of these different areas where, you know, it starts to break, you know, bridge the gaps between between these areas and, and less handoff. And I, I think, you know, that, that to me has started to kind of... Um, you know, open things up, right? You have so many other people in the room at all stages of the process that, you know, are able to contribute to the to the entire campaign and ensure that all of those pieces are staying consistent. You know, when you have a strategist that's in the room and understands creative, you're when you're presenting creative, when they're doing the internal ideation sessions, when they're doing brainstorming sessions, all of those different things, having a strategist in the room that understands the creative process helps make sure that the strategy is staying on point, but it also adds another viewpoint or perspective in the room that they otherwise wouldn't have. And the same way, you know, goes for a strategy, the creative team being a part of, you know, strategy meetings. Those things are important to be able to have the, 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 you know, the switching of ideas and being able to kind of have everybody in the room at the same time throughout the process and less, you know, less of the handing off, you know, I'm done with it, you know, and then, you know, they'll, we'll pass it over to this team. 
that that starts to feel disjointed. I mean, it, it's worked in the past and it obviously still works for some things. But I think now it's one of those things where, you know, you, you're starting to see some really good, captivating work. And when you see the teams behind it, it's it's a, a meld of a lot of different perspectives and ideas. It's not just one, you know. Great perspective. Josh, what's your view? I think agencies are changing and have to change because the way content gets made and the way that people consume it is so different and there's so many new channels that are happening all the time that I, I do feel like it's almost like we have to be more multifaceted as content creators and strategists and content creators and the you know, creative team themselves. And, and uh, I really liked what Sean talked about where you know, being a creative person, being an artist, a photographer, all of those things do really, really help both with, you know, kind of in the creative process with your creative team, but even when talking to clients and being able to really bring your ideas to life for them. But I, I mean, the world we live in now and the way people consume content and their expectations of what that content is, is so different than it was even 10 years ago, five years ago, that I think agencies have to change in order to continue to grow and to continue to be relevant and be able to keep up against everything from you know massive companies to single individuals who are out there right now like the the spectrum of who we compete against is is really really broad and then you bring all the uh, companies that are in housing and bringing teams inside um i think it, agencies just have to change kind of the way we're working in order to kind of be able to continue to do the great things that we've done the creative work and and all those things Certainly it's a conversation that we're having often, aren't we, Josh, you know, being sitting side by side, literally or metaphorically. Sean, are you seeing these changes happen from your agency experience as well? Um, yeah, there's there's definitely, I mean, like Josh said, you know, it's it's you seeing consumers shift and change, you know, how they're consuming content, how they're viewing brands, how they perceive ads, right? And and we're seeing that that kind of helps shape how, you know, agencies are run and even our own agency at HD, you know, I've had, you know, the privilege to be able to be a part of a lot of the creative process um, at HD, you know, the creative team feels that they can bring me in on a lot of different things. And part of it is they understand that I, I'm creative outside of work, right? And they understand that I have a certain eye for things and, you know, maybe a better understanding about certain processes, right? But, but on top of that, they understand, you know, as a whole, the agency understands the value of having somebody else that's from another department in the room, you know, and you're starting to see, you know, where these meetings are being held or, you know, we're having ideation sessions and we're bringing in the account team, right? You know, and and traditionally that that's that's frowned upon. A lot of agencies will be afraid to to do that. But I think it's 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 huge because, you know, Hanson Dodge has been especially now when we're working remotely um, and we're trying to have these ideation sessions over Zoom, right? But we're having, you know, we'll have a couple of people from the account team, me as a strategist, and then a few of the creatives, obviously, and all of us are in the room coming up with these ideas. And and you'll be surprised, you know, that, that you know, the creative team comes up with these amazing ideas. You know, I may come up with a few that are pretty good. And then you have, you know, the account team that comes up with a handful that are good as well. And so all of these ideas help build you know the basis from where the creative team can start and then sometimes these ideas make it into the final production right and so all of a sudden you start to realize the value of having all of these people and these perspectives in a room like that when you pick up on that notion about your collaboration experience across the agency is obviously leading to um, more involvement from everyone 
Is it breaking down the borders of the role of channels when we think of content? Because there are so many more channels than ever before? Yeah, I, I think that that also has kind of opened things up. You know, it, it, and Josh had said too, the way the way consumers consume things and what they're looking for and the content that they pursue is, is different um, and it's constantly changing. Um, and so you break down the barriers, you know, within the agency, you've broken down all these other barriers with the work. Um, you know, we, we find ourselves in this position a lot where we're, you know, you have these requirements, you know, as far as what the client wants and, and, you know, we're going to produce a TV ad and we're going to produce, uh, you know, a radio spot and all these kinds of things that, you know, the staples, right. The digital banners and all the other things that, you know, we typically have to produce, but, you know, when you look at it from a framework where you don't have those barriers, when you approach the problem, um, you know, or, or figure out what the creative purpose is without that that boundary in place you may find that there's another creative outlet or another content strategy that might work better than trying to produce the typical tv ad the, the radio spot and the digital banners right you might find that creating a podcast or or a film or you know some type of music playlist or whatever it might be i've seen brands do all different types of things that that kind of shift the narrative, right, and, and inserts the you know inserts the brand in this piece of culture. You got so many consumers that are that are pursuing podcasts, and you know we had talked a while back about you know one of the brands that we worked on with Stanley, um, PMI, which is like the beverage containers. Uh, and we were talking about what you know what if we could create content around you know around that and the creators that are, the, you know the the influencers that that resonate with the brand. And, you know, maybe what if we could do something that there's a podcast and, you know, consumers are consuming that content already. Right. And that's where culture is. And so if you're able to meet them right there instead of trying to produce the traditional stuff that they see as advertising, but instead try to tell a story, you know, or you do a short film series on, on the Stanley bottles. Right. And that helps people contextualize what you're trying to communicate to them. And it, it helps them connect with the story in an emotional level. And at that point, you've got them interested and then later on down the funnel down the line you can start to communicate these benefits because they're 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 interested in finding those things out all music to josh's ears from the conversations yeah the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, i might have been clapping i might have yeah. been. I'm not gonna... sean was way more eloquent josh than you've been i, in the past. I know so now's, your, now's your chance to build on sean because josh you've talked about this to me often and i think it's a really simple but really smart perspective if we begin with believing that the answer to the brief is an ad, we've created constraints ourselves immediately, right? Talk more about that, Josh, your, your perspective, but also what can we do to avoid that error? Some of it goes back, I think, to what Sean said, that the, the world that our consumers live in is so much bigger than the world that we sometimes live in as marketing people. Like we do think about the radio spots, the TV ads, the tactics that have kind of created the industry but our consumers live on Spotify and YouTube and TikTok and Hulu and Netflix. And they and a brand can occupy, I think, a much larger footprint and, and do. And if you look at brands like um, uh, Vans as an example, right, they have an actual like film division where they're making feature length skate, snowboard, surf films. They're doing documentaries. They have short films that are coming out on YouTube. They have a really strong social media program. They even have print zines and different things that come out. Like that brand occupies a much larger footprint than it may have in the past. And all of those things are communicating with 
consumers where they want to be communicated with and in a way that's useful and valuable. Like it's being useful to people is like, I think the most important thing we can do as marketers and being useful could be as simple as like, I'm going to make you laugh or smile when you need to, or I'm going to teach you something you didn't know before. But I, I think all brands are becoming media publishers, whether they want to or not. So you mentioned fans. Do you feel that brands get this, understand that point more than agencies? Yeah, I think that some brands, not all brands, but some sure. brands are further ahead maybe than agencies are. And like Vans would, is one that I think has a pretty great program, Nike, right? They've got a really incredible social media program and they still create beautiful pieces of video and all those things, but they also have a really kind of broad reach to the way they build out their, their content. But even this stuff, like entertainment companies, I think are a little bit further ahead. Uh, they're looking at the audience that they're building as a really valuable resource because as people want to be advertised to less and the ways we advertise are like digital targeting and things are going to change dramatically in the future, people are, I think some of these companies are looking at the audience that they have and being like, you know, I don't, I don't need to work as hard to reach a bunch of people that might not care. I want to build an audience of fans and dedicated people, which is hard work and it's kind of playing a longer game. But in the end, it's a really valuable asset that, that you've created. Right. Sean, does this connect back with what you were saying earlier about uh, fundamentally content is helping brands integrate into culture? Or you're using culture to create content for brands. Does that connect for you? Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, I, I think, you know, especially now, and even to the, to the point of some of the things Joss was saying, you know, it's it, the the difficulty right now is you know you you have some brands that are that have tapped into it already, um, and then you have some that that are still struggling to figure out how they're going to insert themselves into culture. You know you look at brands like like Nike, right, and they've you know they're obviously really good at what they do, but you know they they've also figured out ways to insert themselves into the conversations of culture. You know, you look back at, you know, the things that were happening around, you know, Black Lives Matter, and they've inserted themselves into that conversation by making statements, you know, that that feel authentic to the brand. Right. They, they, they're they inserting themselves in moments of time, you know, even going back to Colin Kaepernick um, and, and supporting what they feel is right. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it's all related to sports um, and they're 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 now becoming part of culture. They're now becoming part of the conversations that are happening within culture. Apple does the same thing in an authentic way, right? Um, you know, aside from all their creative stuff that they're doing and all of these different ads and the ways that you can use their products, you know, you can even take something as simple as their, 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 their pitch for privacy. And whether you agree with it or not, they're one of the few brands in the tech space that can authentically stand on that, right? Because, you know, their, their products and their basis and what they've done prior to that has, has supported it. And so you've seen all of these different examples of these brands stepping into pieces of concern or or thirst for, for that consumers have expressed. You know, they they their fears for their own privacy. Well, Apple's inserted themselves authentically into that conversation and culture to make themselves relevant for the long term, right? And then at that point now, you don't have to do as much work as opposed to these other brands are constantly having to change their communication channels and messaging to make it seem like it's authentic, but it's never truly that way. Same with Nike um, and inserting themselves in, in, into the spots and culture where it makes sense for the brand to be there. The way you brought the Nike example to life is much, much better than the way I just did. <laughs> and it makes that, because 
they can have that conversation because they've taken a stand in the right, past. Right. And and they know that that's what their audience wants them to do and they're willing to risk potentially offending some consumers mm-hmm. because I think they understand that the audience that supports them is going to support that message. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I think that total, that type of taking that stand and that type of authentic communication is something that more and more brands are trying to do. Even like big entertainment companies like Disney have taken some pretty strong mm-hmm. stands lately. Like it's definitely something that you're seeing happen and it, it makes the audience more loyal to them, yeah. their audience. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I've noticed, you know, when you look at these other brands, even outside of those two, like they've consumers are, are starting to test brands a little bit. Um, you know, they're they're trying to make sure that, you know, the story that, you know, they're purchasing the product, but what's behind the story? What's the brand really trying to communicate? Where are they trying to be? Does it feel authentic and can they prove it? And so if the brand is able to do all those things, you, you start to see a little bit of a shift in loyalty from consumers where they really latch on to something like that. They're emotionally tied to it. They truly believe in it. Um, it goes beyond just the brand having a product that they want and helping them fulfill a certain lifestyle that they want. But now it's going a step further and saying, OK, well, you know, all these brands doing, you know, the things that they say they're doing uh in an authentic way and then are they participating in the conversations that we're having as consumers do these brands like can they relate to them in the same way that they relate to people to their friends to their family people are starting to relate to brands in that same way they're starting to build connections and understand the personalities of those brands you know just throughout the communication the content that they put out all those things but that's the thing that i think consumers are shifting to to kind of align on it also sets a higher bar, Sean, doesn't it? When you think about all of these conversations, all of these examples you and Josh are talking through, this notion of authenticity, okay, of genuine truth, you also need to commit to it and stick with it. Okay, the Nike, Kaepernick, and now model, okay, or Josh, what you were talking about earlier about um, being true to who you are. Does that frighten clients, do you think, making that form of commitment? I'm going to say it's going to frighten some, but I think it's going to frighten some of the clients that, as we were saying, some brands have are further along in this journey than others. And I think the ones that are further along aren't necessarily going to be frightened by it. But people who are still trying to figure out like where they fit in the way that the world of communication has evolved are, are going to be a little nervous about it. And part of our job is to sh- sort of, I think, help them see the, the way forward so that they can build the audience that they need, they can reach the consumers that they need to, and they can be comfortable taking that stand. Because on one hand, if you if you build the audience, you can take the stand and you're less worried about offending everybody because you have people to support you. You have fans, you have consumers built in that are going to support you. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure it does. And honestly, when I, when I think about what I was just asking, what you how you're explaining it, Josh, I also believe that Brands need to be more purposeful. That doesn't mean that we need to connect all brands with the the most lofty, higher purpose reason for being ever, but be true and honest about what the role the brand can play. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that uh, Sean said it really, really well, where he was saying, you know, part of the reason, like the Nike example again, that they can, that they're inserting their voice in places where it makes sense for them to insert their voice. 
they're not having a dialogue in areas that they, they don't belong in. Like it all ties back to sports. It ties back to things that are impacting sports. Got it. So it, I think that authenticity and, and realizing where you should talk is just as important as realizing what you should say and, and being bold enough to have a, have a position. So Josh, when you pick up in terms of brands' success, depends on understanding not just what they can say but where to be relevant to be genuine and authentic the nike and sports and using this as their platform as an example is that a fundamental role for a content strategist yeah i mean i guess i sort of see a content strategist role in a in a couple of different places and, and some of it definitely ties into what you were you were just talking about john is but I think some of it is is uh, a content strategist's role is is to take the communication strategy and really figure out how to bring it to life in real time across multiple touch points. And part of the reason that I, I always try to bring in real time to it is because I think a content strategy may live longer than, say, a, a specific campaign or a specific tactic. It's about where do you find the consumers that are going to be interested in this brand and how can you be useful to them and, and give them content that's going to really engage them and build them as an audience. Um, so it, it's always you know building audiences for brand through storytelling, but that storytelling could happen as a podcast, it could happen as episodic video, it could start out as small as a blog or some content on their website and then grow into everything from you know podcast to episodic content to printed magazines to who knows what could also be in real life experiences. But I, I think it's about taking that communication strategy and then spreading it out over different relevant storytelling avenues for consumers to really engage with that brand, but then also talking about authentically and how can they be useful? How can they be helpful? What can they do to, to um, enhance a consumer's life? How about you, Sean? How do you see the role of a content strategist? Yeah, I mean, Josh to me said it said it in a lot of ways that that you know I would I would say um, it's all the different avenues that that you know how to reach consumers and where and authentically, you know that's 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 the core of what what that that their role is and and the purpose behind it and you know they're going a step beyond to understand you know where the culture is um, you know where you know how the consumer is going to perceive it based on where culture is and and you know the different ways that you know, the messaging and communication can come across um, and, and what channels that would make sense based on the culture, based on that consumer and based on where the brand and, and you know, where they can authentically fit. And then on top of that, you're also looking at, you know, he, Josh even said it too, the 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 longevity of that, you know, content strategists are, are they're, they're working long term. They're looking to see how can that message last in a way, you know, it can obviously be tweaked and altered right um, based on where culture is and based on how consumers change but the core of it is always still there um, you know whereas a campaign typically those things it's attacking one you know key insight or maybe it's one specific purpose or one key benefit um, and and it, it it works for a limited time in most cases um, it'll you know the campaign will run for X amount of time and that message is relevant you know until it's not anymore where you know the stuff that the content strategist is working on that that's gonna you know that's gonna last um beyond where the campaign is it's gonna take the campaign elements and figure out where can i authentically reach this guy and and, and a, or girl in a way that you know really resonates with them and emotionally connects with them in in, in ways that you know maybe the campaign at a high level may not be 
So I want to connect that back to something you were saying earlier, Sean, because I, I love that thread. Do you believe that content can change behavior more than advertising? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it has the potential to, especially now, you know, the way people are consuming content is different and, and people's behavior is, is in a, people's behavior currently is in a, a, an un, uncertain state, right? People are, are reverting back maybe to old values, old school values. Maybe they're, they're changing their behaviors to things that they'd never, never done before or things that they used to do, you know, in order to maintain, you know, I, I, I think of brands. Um, you know, one of my favorite brands is is Bevel, um, and so Bevel is like a, a men's shaving line, and they also have a few other products now uh, on the market for you know body and hair, and and you know brands like that where they've they've kind of put out you know they've started with a shave kit, you know things like it's the same brands like Dollar Shave Club, like Harry's, right, and you you start to change someone's behavior. Um, because you're not only offering this product, but you're you're offering, you know, where it makes sense. You're offering the tips and the tricks to you know to help them take care of themselves. You're you're figuring out what are the problems and pain points that that person is is going through. What's what's concerning them, right? And tapping into that and helping them through that process. And so that you know brands like that have shifted, you know, how people shave and and how men, you know, view shaving as a process. People used to dread it. People used to have so many problems with it. Now. It's it's a shift to, you know, uh, it, it starts to be an escape. It starts to be, hmm. you know, this moment of self care yeah. and reflection. You know, same thing with brands like Away, and shifting how people travel and the importance of that. You know, it's not just a lifestyle brand. You know, that people like to see, you know, as an accessory, but they've also worked to change how you know the different ways people travel. You know, or air, brands like Airbnb and how people you know, travel that way and where they stay and how they look at, you know, their vantage point within a city. You know what I mean? Like, so all of these different yeah. brands are doing these things. They're tapping into moments where the consumer is actually vulnerable um, and either fixing a problem or helping them overcome something. Um, or maybe they're tapping into something that's culture related. Um, and those things allow the brand to be authentically relevant they solve a problem and they also bring, they, they help bridge a gap um, and build a connection between consumers and the brand itself in an authentic way. That connection, it matters more and more today, you're quite mm -hmm. right. How, how do you feel about that, Josh? Do you feel that content can help consumers change behaviors more than advertising? I, I mean, I, I think so, yeah, because you're reaching people where they live and they don't feel like they're being talked at, they're being talked with, their information is being shared to them. I mean, some of the examples Sean gave, I mean, Airbnb, part of what built that brand, well, I mean, part of it was the product innovation, but it was also content's been built in right from the start to the way they talk to people, help provide travel tips, made them feel comfortable in the new world that they were trying to create where you might be staying in somebody's house. In the past, that might have felt really strange, but they help provide content to make it feel better and make it feel normal and make it feel exciting. And I think that that ability to, for a brand to relate to people and, and almost anticipate what somebody might be nervous about and then be able to help them feel better about it, it makes their product to kind of use the, 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 the saying to, to cross the chasm from early adopters to like mass adoption and really get people involved with a brand. 
and it goes back like I'll, I'll use a Rochester example but like a Kodak as much as they've fallen on hard times over the years when George Eastman started that company he spent as much money on education about what photography was and how it worked and gave away tons of camera and tons of film because he wanted people to get hooked on it and, and understand it and not be afraid of it. So a lot of brands, Apple's done that, a lot of brands produce content to bridge the gap, teach people, make them feel excited about what they have to offer, and it can definitely change behavior over time. So guys, when you think about this thread we've been carrying through about the role of content today and its role in relevancy, what are a couple of tips you both have for either the young strategists coming in, Sean's we talked about them earlier, where they have a natural, more, uh, probably a more natural understanding about the multiple platforms that everyone's living in today, or the crusty old strategists like yours truly that's been in the industry a while. <laughs> what are tips that we can both improve on, be it new coming in or old needing to change ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that, that comes to mind is, is um, you know, going outside of the, the traditional the traditional formats, um, you know, it's easier to fall into, you know, if you're a seasoned strategist um, or if you're somebody who's relatively new and trying to figure out, you know, the frameworks, it, it's easier to fall fall back on, you know, traditional frameworks that have worked in the past, you know, traditional brief formats, whatever it might be, but maybe breaking the mold a little bit, um, maybe changing how process is um, and, and letting letting culture or, or an insight help inspire the thinking first um, and then build things out from there versus trying to do the traditional way of, you know, research first and data first and then building it back into an insight out of that. Maybe there's an insight that, that's in culture already, right? Maybe there's something that's happening around us already that there's something that you can tap into. And then from there you can grow you know, the idea and the inspiration and the data from that. Um, and there, you know, may lie a, a different way to approach the problem. I think that's the first first thing that comes to mind for me is shifting your, your vantage point and how you do things um, to, to open up the avenues for things that are in culture um, and happening around you. And then I think the other thing is 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 being well in tune with what's happening in culture but not just the stuff that's within the culture that you're influenced by, but the culture that everybody else is also influenced by. So that means spending some time and understanding culture from other ethnicities, culture from other age groups, culture from other countries and regions, um, culture from other you know, environments, whether that be city or, or suburban or whatever it might be. And then even by industry, there's different cultures within music and, and art and, and, you know, automotive and all of these different things. So understanding things outside of your realm, sometimes you're able to notice a problem that may be happening in another industry that can be relevant to the brand you're working on. Even you're not, even if you're not in that industry, or maybe there's, you know, another, you know, cultural happening that's that's going on in, in a particular group that you can use as influence you know for a creative idea right there's a, there's so many different yeah. ways to slice and dice that that i think you know the broader your knowledge and your 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 experience base and all of these other areas of culture is more widespread i think at that point you're able to bring a lot more things to the table the challenge you're talking about now for me is actually the, the positive for planet is or strategist is is kind of kindling that your curiosity to be more expansive and looking elsewhere 
you said something it's part of that Sean let me just poke that a little bit which is you're talking about the brief is the traditional agency brief broken is the traditional agency brief an inhibitor to creating content based platforms um it it depends you know i i feel like um you know my my own, my own perspective with with briefs and and you know i'm still relatively early in my career so you know i haven't seen you know a ton of different brief formats but i know that each one that i've seen is different each place that i've been to is a different format and a different way mm -hmm. of doing it and I, I think it it tends to to lie within whatever that particular planner is comfortable with right um but i think to me where, where the where the the opportunity lies is really realizing what is going to be truly beneficial to the creative team um realizing that there's something you know maybe there's a different way to a different format or a different way to approach it um that can help inspire the creative team differently um so if that means adjusting the format i i, I don't think it's broken um but i think that there there's always some tweaking that can be done um it's it's kind of difficult to say that there's you know one brief format for this and it works um, you know, there's there's multiple ways to go about a problem, but I think the the thing that I, I I tend to lean back back on a little bit more is is how can we keep things simple? Um, you know, stripping out all the different elements and, and areas, you can always have those pieces later. But from the beginning, you know, what's the core? What's the main thing? What's the single-minded idea? What's the the insight? And having that, and just starting with that. There's a lot of different ways and avenues that you can go, and from there you're not you're not bound by the the barriers of you know trying to prove reason to believes or being boxed into these you know requirements and mandatories of you know we need to create digital banner ads out of home and and TV spots right removing all of those things and just simply starting with you know the insight and the main idea and, and running with that and, and building from there maybe there's there's opportunity there and like i said i'm still relatively new in my strategy career but you know those are some of the things that i've picked up on over time is you know how can we we bring things back to a simple state in a way that keeps everybody inspired keeps everybody in the same direction without too many other distractions you know and honestly sean i think you know someone's been around a little bit the the newness is a great thing in today's age as far as i'm concerned because you're automatically coming at it with a cleaner slate, a fresher perspective, a genuine curiosity of asking not just what can we learn but also what, why did we do it that way, what about if we do it a different way. Yeah. What about Josh? Some of the things we've talked about before is whether the brief is broken or whether it's um, we need to think about the outcome of the brief, right? If all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail. So if your creative resources are anchored in traditional advertising, then traditional advertising is likely to be the first solution. What would you recommend, Josh, for an agency that may have that challenge? How to get the creatives to think differently about the solution? I mean, this is something we, we've talked about a ton, and, and I think it's a, still a work in progress. A, a lot of it ties back to what Sean said. I loved a lot of the things that he talked about just a moment ago with uh, the audiences and, and the humility to really go and learn and experience and, and uncover what's valuable to them. I think that's really, really important. And then some of it I think is like, 
it, it goes back to the way to the beginning of the episode when we were talking about like if we start out and say we're going to make the clients saying I want an ad they're going to get an ad but maybe we yeah. need to challenge ourselves to say what if it's not an ad what if it's a podcast what if it's something else like what if the original idea isn't going to live in the traditional form that we've kind of come to be used to and then I, I think for me one thing that's really really helpful is I try to take any idea or anything and, and spread it out over time so it's like what's it going to look like six months from now but then also 12 months from now or 24 months from now because that changes the way you approach a creative problem you know it's easy to write the first dozen tweets it's hard to write the hundredth tweet so it's like that kind of stuff I, I think really helps people frame the problem up differently got it so could that could be a way for agencies to encourage everyone okay that i take Sean your, your perspective earlier was around um, in my mind, helping create a richer, more insightful brief that's relevant for today. And Josh, your points are about encouraging people to think about the work that comes out of a brief. Think about it in terms of more expansive over time, as well as actually in terms of other channels. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Josh, I want to come back to something you were talking about way back when. Because it does actually come back to me about the, the outcome of content. I think there's a misunderstanding quite often that content is on a digital platform. And neither of you believe that, I know that. Josh, you were talking about analog earlier. I have a theory that we're going to see a rise of analog, non-digital content because of the last six months, 12 months that people have been living in on terms of screen and digital devices. Do you share that view? And if so, where could it go? I feel like we've actually seen kind of an analog renaissance over the last few years, right? Final records, analog film, um, kind of real life experiences, things that, that uh, we're all so saturated with digital. We're on our phones all the time. And now to your point, John, like I literally stare at my computer eight to 10 hours a day. And I think people are, are getting worn out from the digital and they're really looking for a real tangible experience that they can kind of just have what, like a full sensory experience, right? It's like, I wanna, I wanna pick the record up, touch it, put it on the record player, hear the music. That, that's a self-contained event, it ends, I'm gonna switch to a different album, it doesn't just stream for eternity. And not to say digital stuff isn't great for using it and it's kept a lot of us working in a pandemic and that's awesome, but I think people are gonna look to say, you know, I would rather hold that in my hand and read it than read another article on my phone or I wanna go here and have an experience and talk with other creatives and hear from them in person. And just adding to that, I know we've seen you know, recent data that the um, direct mail, good old fashioned direct mail is actually a resurgence and has a stronger relevancy for the, the younger audience today than ever before. Sean, how do you feel about that in terms of, are you seeing anything? Have you, have you done anything in terms of thinking about um, analog content? Yeah, it's... Um it's interesting. I mean, it's some, definitely some of the stuff Josh said is is completely true. Like, I, I think, um, you know, even looking at, at his point about, you know, uh, not wanting to read another article on your phone, people are going to be overwhelmed, you know, after a period of time of not being able to turn everything off. Um, and you're seeing in the starts of that, you know, with, with people that, you know, consumers that are going on trips to disconnect 
Uh, you're seeing a lot of people posting about their weekend hiking trip or their weekend camping trip, you know, off the grid. That's huge right now. It's a lot less people that are talking about going to these, you know, huge big cities and, and doing a whole bunch of things and staying plugged in. People are turning their phones off. People are trying to disconnect. Um, people are picking up books, tangible books, you know, not not just reading articles or doing, you know, audio books and things like that. They're actually physically reading the copies. And I was even, um, I'm, you know, was working on a, a, a small campaign with Morel Paper um, on, on my content strategy work, uh, photography. Uh, and I was talking with with the founder there, and he was saying that you know he was noticing a, a different shift, um, you know, where people people are so ingrained with typing and with doing all of the notes and and staying clued in on their computers and their devices that people are going to start to look for an escape, um, you know, and, and that escape, you know, morale paper makes, makes notepads among, among other things and, and being able to kind of go back and journal and put pen to paper, um, and, and going back to that instead of, you know, trying to, to maintain, you know, the digital space, you know, journaling and finding that refuge of, of taking your, 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 your place and your mind off of the digital, um, you're starting to see a shift in that, and I think that that's true. I think that's gonna definitely going to be happening over the next few months, for sure, and even years. Um, the digital isn't going to go away, and it's obviously going to get more innovative and sophisticated. But I also think that people are going to value, or they're at least starting to value, the more analog ways of doing things, or you know, the the traditional ways of doing things, and, and tapping into that as their escape. More music to Josh's ears because he's a big yeah. fan of, uh, <laughs> of the paper and the uh, the doodling, right, Josh? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I loved the the way you describe it as a refuge because for a lot of people, myself included, right? Like I've probably got two sketchbooks in the room with me right now. Right, same. That yeah. it's a it's a way to to unplug and disconnect, even for just a couple minutes, and have a, an experience that kind of separates you from your devices, lets you get yeah. your own head a little bit. And uh, I think you're totally right that people are going to look for that more. I even saw a really interesting article just recently about newspapers and that there's been an uptick in subscriptions to old school analog papers. Like it's not, like you say, going to go back to the way it was or get rid of digital, but maybe we're starting to head into more of an and world where both of these things can coexist and one doesn't have to die just because we have the other. Yeah. Which I think just adds to that, Josh, what you and, and Sean were both talking about, which is finding the finding not just an authentic purpose to the brand, but also a relevancy for this content. You know, you talk about usefulness as well as entertainment. Sean, you're doing the same thing when you were talking about Bevel. There seems to be a critical role moving forward of thinking about not just the role of the brand and channel when people are on, but when people want to be off as well. Does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you if you're truly going to be a brand that's ingrained in somebody's life in their lifestyle you're going to figure out a way to be relevant both you know online and off um and and some brands it's a little bit easier than than others just given their products and the offering that they have you know obviously you know it's a little bit harder for brands that are solely digital you know like netflix and, and hulu um to do that but but there's there's definitely ways and interesting ways that some of these brands are starting to figure out as to how, you know, how can they stay connected to, you know, people, you know, offline or off their platform and stay top of mind during during that period of time. 
That brings us to about our close, I think. I've had a fantastic hour listening to you guys and learning so much about perspectives, about the role of content strategy today, but also, frankly, um, what I loved about this was also bringing it back into the, you know, the real worlds that we live in, in small agencies, medium-sized agencies, but real agencies where we have some challenges ahead in terms of the economic environment, the role that brands need to play, our clients and our, and our teams. And all of this uh, can help me learn. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on. This was extremely exciting and cool to be a part of. So I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. It, it was great, John and Sean. It was awesome to talk to you. I want to look up your photography and check it out. <laughs> thank you. You know, I appreciate it. It was nice to talk to you as well. Planner Parlay, a Truth Collective production.